Hello. Welcome to Get in the Pit with Isai and Oster. I am I'm Oster. I'm Isai. Uh, this is a podcast about metalcore. Uh, we're deviating from the normal format today, and we're just gonna be talking about some some B and C level records. I mean, D level records. Dude, I think you're being um, really nice saying B level. <laughs> There's some Bs on there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we're just gonna talk about them. We're not gonna review them. We're just gonna have some 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 discussion. Uh, we've got Dev Dog back. Uh, it's from me. Our, we're from Autumn to Ashes episode. Um, Devin and... from from Autumn to Ashes. <laughs> yeah, Devin. How was the claim singer? Devin from uh the Pact Rejection Pact. Uh, yeah. What's up, guys? Did the unclean vocals. God, remember when people were just like, I don't sing, I do vocals? I'm the screamer? Yeah, I was definitely one of those kids. I was like, it's not a singer. He's, he's, he does vocals. I'm pretty sure the guy from a sack low by I'm the un- I, I hate the term unclean vocals. <laughs> yeah. That's a Reddit term at this point. That's stupid. It's when you don't brush your teeth before. <laughs> I remember okay. one time I started remembering never. And I was in the dude's face singing along. His mouth was so fresh. It was so minty and nice. Like he brushed his teeth the second before he went on stage. It was sick. Could have been drinking mint, some mint tea too. You know? That's true. It was just nice. Like you, you don't know what to expect when you get up in someone's face like that. Especially like a touring band. It's like, you don't know. That could be like Dotto's ass, anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you right now, some of the boys when we're on tour definitely aren't showering every day. So, yeah. believe that. It's hard to. Where are you going to oh, I'm, shower? I'm, I'm a one, sh- one day minimum. I, I prefer to take two showers every day on tour, but at least once. Like, I would like to shower, shower when I get wherever we're staying. If I can shower that night, mm-hmm. that'd be great. And then in the morning to like open up my sinuses and everything like that. Ever resort to the wet one shower? No. Never had to do that? No, I... I mean, granted, we're not, like, big road dogs, per se, but we've... I think there's only one or two, like, times we've been out of town where we straight up didn't know where we were going to stay that night, and we kind of guilted the crowd... Because there was like ten people there, <laughs> to where I was like, "Oh yeah, if anyone has a place we can stay, that'd be cool." Otherwise, we're probably just gonna go find a park and like sleep in the van. And then I go think to because, a Walmart. That's the that's the spot. I think because no one was there, one of the guitar players from one of the other bands was like, "Yeah, I'll get you guys a hotel. There's like a cheap hotel down the road. Like, I'll get you guys a room for the night." And then when I was yeah. driving, and so I rode with him. And then the rest of the guys drove the van. And when I was in his car, I'm like, yeah, you definitely have money. Like, I, I, de- like, I definitely appreciate you doing this. But also, like, I'm sure this isn't, like, however much this costs tonight probably isn't that big of a deal to you. Mm-hmm. Looking at, like, how nice his car was. And I want to say he had some sort of, like, tech job. Okay. And, and this was in the Bay. So, like. I'm sure he's like doing at least okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I have a theory that 
if you live in California, have to either, be doing okay. <laughs> you're either really, you're either really rich or like at least doing okay, or you're poor. Like there isn't like a whole lot of like middle ground. Yeah, fair. But um, yeah, I've never had to do the like the the truck stop shower with the rags and the. You're, miss, you're missing out. We did those like on our first runs because we were just kids and we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. For whatever reason, like our first tour is like ten days. Like we were like eighteen years old. We we're like, fuck it, we don't know. We're we're just going with this band from Montana. We didn't know them. We just fucking MySpace knew them, and there we go. I was listening to the Hard Lore podcast yesterday, getting caught up on some episodes. And Sam from Triple B was talking about like this Euro tour they did over the summer, and how for them, I forget. Like I think it might have been either some places. It was sometimes hard to find. Either way, they were saying or something about showers to where he was saying how they kept getting every day they would get they would go get like a twenty four hour gym membership mm. or something, and then like one person would get the card. And then everyone would just go shower in the gym, you know. That's a smart yeah. move. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was putting that in the back of my head for like, if we do like the Euro tour, like, all right, if things don't work out and we do need, that's where we'll get showers. That's that's smart. We um, I think one of the I think the first time Fury that I went to what we tried to do for food it ended up not working out because hotels had already changed within the last year, but we would sneak into hotels or we were trying to sneak into hotels for the free continental breakfast. Hell yeah. And do that. <laughs> That's a fucking move right there. <laughs> they don't know. No, I mean, all you have to do, the biggest thing, and like, and it's fully dependent on the hotel because like the hotel we just stayed at in Tulsa I don't think you could do that because you could literally see where they're serving breakfast from the lobby entrance. But, you know, in some other hotels where it's not necessarily like in like the line of sight, you could just walk in from outside, you know, go up the stairs, do a loop around and come back down. But, um, or even if someone had like, I don't know, I feel like hotels nowadays especially have way more like, security measures in place to like get in and out of the hotel like in terms of like side doors and everything and you have to like have your key but like yeah last couple of hotels i stayed at because i was in wisconsin the little breakfast room was like a room like in the hallway yeah you could easily just walk through just fucking go and hit it and nobody would probably even care like go get your fucking weird gray eggs and some fucking shitty sausage and a waffle uh, the hotel we stayed at was muffin. Yeah, the hotel we stayed at was like it was fine, you know. But like, it was so funny. We came nice. like after we'd play and like coming home each night from the fest, and like the purse because it's it wasn't like it wasn't like a downtown hotel. It was definitely just like a very desolate part of town that just had a bunch of. It was like right off the freeway, you know. And there's like a bunch of hotels. And when we'd get in, the front desk person would definitely be asleep. And then oh, like, yeah. you walk in and they like pop up and they're like, oh, hi. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think most people, unless it's a nice hotel, like truly give a shit what 
you're doing. They didn't pay oh. for it. Well, I stayed in a nice hotel here uh, for my anniversary, and uh, you like they have like a snack counter, and you if you stay there, you can just walk in and grab snacks. They didn't check anything. Was it the modern? No, it was uh, the in Capital Five Hundred, the one right by the Flicks. Yeah. Um, you can just walk in and grab snacks. They don't check anything. Is that the one that's like with um, that restaurant, Richards? Yes. Yeah. Bougie ass place. Yeah, we went. We went bougie. They had a a tub that filled from the ceiling. It was loud, but it was tight. That's so unnecessary. (laughs) It's so unnecessary. (laughs) Hell yeah. But I want to know. How is the flicks still in business? Oh, it's packed all the time. Like weekends, at least. That's what I want to know. They don't. I was going a lot. They don't get good ending movies, so they just get like the seats are uncomfortable. Because people, people just want to see movies at the flicks. Like their clientele will just go to movies there. Rich white. Neo libs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's who they're marketing to. That's why every every uh showing of three billboards was sold out. I saw that at Edwards because I like hey, three dildos. Three billboards outside of Evan, Missouri. I thought, I, go, three, I thought you said three dildos. I'm like, that's a fucking movie. <laughs> I go to the Majestic because every theater has the reclining seats and it's cheap. That's my theater of choice. I go to oh, Edwards because I have the regal pass. If we've we've looked into that, but also, have they upgraded their seats yet? Because they hurt my butt. Uh, I mean, not. I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I, still, I mean, they they have the theaters that have comfortable seats. Yeah. And then they also have the theaters that are the garbage old seating. But do the theater? So before we get started on all these records, this is yeah. real bleak. So I went there last last week. They've completely gotten rid of front like ticket takers, you know, like where you buy your tickets or whatever. Yeah. Cashiers. It's all self-serve kiosks where you go and you press all the buttons and it prints you out a ticket yeah. if you haven't used like a mobile app. And then when you walk in, because there's two different counters. One of them just has all the arcade games blocking it. And then the other side is the kiosks. But then there's a little sign like, if you really want to buy a ticket from someone, you can go buy one from the concession stand. But then almost all of the bathrooms are broken. Jesus. They took one of the women's bathrooms and converted it into a men's bathroom. (laughs) And then there's a women's bathroom and I want to say the ones on each side of the theater and the theater is big, you know I mean? There's like 21 screens or whatever. And then, um, how they had those two side concession things that were never open. Now they just have hella cardboard fold out things blocking those (laughs) and talking with someone that worked there. They were like, apparently the theater is supposed to get a big remodel, I think in 2023. Okay. And so there's stuff that needs to be fixed now, but they're kind of, they're really just like holding off because if they do it now, I think it's like they'll have to pay for it. But if they wait till when they're supposed to get the normal remodel anyway, yeah. then it doesn't come out of the company's like dime or whatever. But the theater is very bleak right now. And I feel like 
Because they definitely, like, right before COVID, they did the whole, they did, like, a 4DX yeah. uh, thing. And I feel like that didn't take off quite like they wanted. And there's that other screen. I forget the name of it, where it wraps around the whole. Yeah. yeah. And that definitely only. It's cool if you're, like, I went and saw that Ford versus Ferrari movie in that theater. And that was cool because a lot of it's, like, first person, like, oh, you're actually, like, in the car. Okay, that's so like, like, but I can't imagine going there just to see like a normal movie. Yeah, like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go see the whale in 40x. Oh dear. <laughs> but um, yeah, that sounds yeah. that sounds so. Majestic's cool. Yeah. I haven't been there since they remodeled it, but they they need it. I you know. I'm not going to any theater that on a regular basis that doesn't have some sort of unlimited program. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about finding something. Eastside left. He's back. We were talking about movies too much. Eastside got mad. I just fucking left. <laughs> Eastside like hates movies. I've seen so many movies now. No. Movies are fun. Film yeah. guy. Check out my letterbox. <laughs> um, I do have one. Yeah. Oh, I have one. I have uh, I had one that I was doing a bit on. I was reviewing every movie as Vin Diesel, and then I gave up. Stopped a bit. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I like. One of my buddies has. I find it. His reviews are just like pretty wild. So I'm trying to find one that he did. No, he's not. He's not having no one's mind. But yeah, Letterbox kicks ass. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Do. Do we want to talk about talk about just to... first off like shitty MySpace or hard... yeah. HXC MP3 pure volume metalcore? Yeah, oh, we're... Oster, like your because we all kind of found bands differently back in the day. What was yeah. your what was your medium of choice in trying to find a new band? Well, after my after I got into it myself and I wasn't just listening to whatever my shaman gave me, um. It it was MySpace. I mean, I listened to Prada on MySpace when they only had demos on there. Fuck yeah. Like I was one of their first fans. Uh um, but I was also a big pop punk guy, so I remember listening to Fireworks when they didn't have any anything. I yeah. was a uh I think my I think Hardcore MP3 was probably the biggest one initially. Yeah. Like, I, f- I feel like I used that before. I, I don't know. It was probably that in MySpace, actually, like, pretty even. But I feel like Hardcore MP3 was for finding more of, like, the stuff that wasn't as, like, necessarily internet savvy. Mm-hmm. But was, like, like, I found much more of, we'll say, like, harder heavy music on there. Yeah. Like, I was telling you the other day, I was I was using the Wayback Machine to go look at archive pages on that site to see, like, and um, I feel like it fit, it's very fitting for, like, the mid-2000s of, like, people using the term hardcore super loosey-goosey. Mm-hmm. Or like, looking through and, like, hey, this is mostly metalcore. Like, there's, like, a handful of hardcore bands on here, but this What's is most... the fucking band is, like, one of the top, like, artists on there? And it's so funny. 
Well, like when you go through like the top, I think there's like top artists and it was like a hundred per page. Once you start getting the page like three and beyond, that's when it was more like just straight up hardcore bands. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I found like, so the only band on this list I've like was ever like actually listened to was Bloodline Calligraphy. I don't know how I found them. They're like, Christian. That's why. No, because I wasn't in the face down. I was purely solid state. Like, that's it. Like, really? Yeah. I wasn't into face down bands, but that's the one that hit me. I think maybe I was into Hatebreed at that point. And then maybe they were on some comp or something. I, I don't know. I don't know how I found out about them, but I did. They were in the Christian bookstore. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about them first. Okay. They're one of the better ones on her, I think. Yeah. So, Bloodline Calligraphy. Uh, let me pull some information. Are they big enough to have a Wikipedia? I don't know. I'm just, I didn't do any research, but I want to have some, I want to have some fun with these. So, okay. Before we start with this, uh, I got a Wayback Machine from 2006, January. Okay. So, I'm, I'm still in high school, graduating that, that May. This is, um, the top, this is the top 10. Number one is They Have No Reflections by Bring Me the Horizon. Is that Ten the songs. one with the So Nail My Coffin one more time? I don't know. Okay. I know it's the one that begins like with like a lot of dissonance. Okay. It's the big uh, MySpace song. Yeah. Baby Got Back by Throwdown. Hell yeah. Ride the Wings of Pestilence by From First to Last. Good song. 94 Hours by Azalea Dying. X out. Hutzman by Horse the Band. Yep. Balls by Emery. One, okay, so for one second. People loved Emery then. I mean, I think they still that, do, but... That song fucking rocks. Um, anyway. Note to Self by From First to Last. Good song. When Everything Falls by Haste Today. A big song for that era. Uh, confined by Azalea Dying, and then should have stayed in the shallows by Fear Before the March of Flames. Here we go. So on HXC MP3, there was one band that you could consider a hardcore band. That's Throwdown. Yeah, and it's the goofy gimmick song that. <laughs> yeah. That you got to get to number thirteen, and then you got Comeback Kid, Wake the Dead. So. The thing that rocks about this especially is that, like, it's Ooh, not, it's not even, too. like, it's, like, multiple songs from the same bands, you know? Yeah. And then, it's just, like, the soft, like, I don't know. I feel like, and granted, this is just me, but at least within, like, my friend group by 2006, Asley Dying was not cool anymore. I Like, people... Like, when I started hanging out with the Raymonds, like, uh, like I was out on Asley Dying when I got into the music. I never, I've never listened to that band ever. I think I, my two thousand five. All my friends liked metalcore, yeah. like Hot Topic T-shirt metalcore, like Asley Dying, No Machine, all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of it, honestly, probably has to do with like being in and out of high school. Hmm. I graduated in 05, and I remember when I graduated, I cut all my scene hair off and 
ordered like terror shirts and shit. And then in 2006, I still liked, I still liked metalcore, but it was much more. I was trying to find like more like. Adult I think in 2006 music? I got into like animosity, and um, like see you next Tuesday, and like a little more of like the more actual like weirdo metally stuff. Yeah. Which I think because I came here in 06. I'm trying to think of what shows I, I saw it dies today mm-hmm. and that fucking rocked. Was that with the, the human abstract? Like when there was like a hundred people at the venue? Or is that no, it was that the knitting factory with Poison the Well? I was at that show, of course. It's like still remains in Hymns and Shadows Fall. It was a stress tour. Yeah, that tour fucking rocked. Speaking of fucking like D grade metalcore bands, still remains. Yeah. I would say I'd honestly say they're, I think they're, I would say they're B tier, B to C. Okay. Just because, like, I had a moment. Well, and I think, too, like, talking with one of my friends who's our age, who's from the area that they're from, talking with him once about them, I think they were, like, way bigger. Like, definitely a regional thing where he's like, oh, those shows are crazy, like, when they played. I think I mean, everybody's like, good at, everybody, like, in their, uh, like especially if like if they're like a band that was touring nationally, like you would hope that their fucking hometown shows would be big. Well, some you bands they're on Roadrunner. Some bands aren't. Like, That's fair. Like, uh, the dude from Twitching Tongue says California took like five years to like them. That's but, fair. But I think everyone did. So, <laughs> except Boise. <laughs> okay, reaction here. Bo- Boise only likes every time I die. Boise up until I would say two years post COVID was didn't have anyone that kind of kept up with contemporary music other than a handful of people. Yeah. Whereas I feel like now finally all the young kids going to shows actually have an ear to what's currently happening versus you got a lot of people that are circle jerking over Furnace Fest and it's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like we literally are having a podcast about like a bunch of this shit. Oh yeah. At the same time, it's like I still try to find new music. Yeah. I still like. I told each side to I, listen to Inclination. And I'm like, this fucking rocks. Yeah. Like, the week after that record came out, I'm like, yeah, this is the fucking shit. Yep. Um, stuff like that. Like, like I don't know. Like I I don't want to just listen to Poison the Well and Misery singles all the time. Even though my top artist was 18 Visions this year. Um, <laughs> They they had a re-release of Vanity and it fucking rocked. They re-recorded it. So I still like the old version. I like the old version better. So did the, the they good. did the Visions version like Taylor did. Yeah. Swift. Exactly. Yeah, it's James Hart's version. <laughs> um, but no, it's like I try to find new stuff just because, like, I don't know. I, w- I want to still like a lot of like like I don't know. There's still more out there that can just be like super sick, like uh. Inclination or. Uh, like I was listening to Gridiron or End It or like all these other bands that like put out some fucking cool shit this year. I'm like, fuck yeah, like there's still a bunch of cool shit. Um, and so yeah, yeah. I want to jerking off over every time I die, boys. I love that band too, but come on. Want to? I want to stay. I want to stay in the know. I like to. I like to know what's going on. Not everything's for me, but I like to stay. Yeah. Stay up with it. The whole thing is. I think no matter what is cool, 
there's always a lot of really good current bands. It's just you might have to dig for it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, someone hit me up the other day and was like telling me how sick they thought Foreign Hands is. This oh, yeah, is like someone, rats. this is someone locally, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I saw Foreign Hands in Salt Lake with Six Year Guns, and it was awesome." And part of my in my head, I'm like. That's crazy that you drove to Salt Lake in 2022 to see Secure Guns, but I guess go off. Like, yeah, that's that, that's fucking like, bonkers. Did that, like they, they previously live in Twin Falls? I feel like all the Twin Falls guys <laughs> just love some stick to your guns. But it was funny. I was like, yeah, man. Sure. I was like, Foreign Hands rocks. I saw them play Boise in like 2017 or 2018 to like five people. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, they played here? Well, I'm like, yeah. This is completely different, but everyone liking Turnstile is so weird because, like, I'll wear my Turnstile hoodie in public and someone at fucking Trader Joe's will be like, oh, Turnstile? That's sick. I just went to Salt Lake to see them. I was like, yeah, I saw them play for, like, 20 people here once. Um, There's way more than 20 people there. That Take yeah, a Fence show? There's like 70 or 80 that played. Oh, okay. Paid. okay. They're welcome for the fucking house. <laughs> we fucking. But like, the I don't know why that's my first reaction. It makes me feel like a dickhead, but it's like, yo, this band's been going on forever. But that's what I told my coworker who's, who was talking about Turnstile a while back in Slack. And I was like, I like message him. Like, that's, that's sick that you like them. I was like, they're really cool. I'm like, uh, my old band played with them in Boise. <laughs> Years ago, and they were like, they played here, and I was like, yeah, there wasn't a barrier or anything that was cool. And they're like, man, I wish I would have been there. I'm like, pretty sure you worked here at the time, and you definitely, I probably, because it was our first show, I probably punished the coworkers about, oh, you guys should come to the show. Like, my band's like, blah blah. I think like one of the things, like especially like when you're in this music, because it kind of goes back into like topic like with d-list and c-list metalcore bands it's like i don't know like as a kid i always was just searching for fucking something new something cool something that like maybe nobody had heard about because like i don't know i wanted to get on the ground floor of calico systems um <laughs> is there we'll so it's like I, I don't know it's just like one of those things it's like you want it like you would just search for new stuff because like I, I just i don't know i fell in love with the music i'm like i just gotta find more and more and more and more yeah. oh it's that's Definitely a thing, especially. I feel like back then, it was a little harder. Not, I don't know. Like, I feel like with Spotify and stuff, in a lot of ways, the ease of finding everything in one central location is much easier as opposed to you'd either have to. I don't know. I go back and forth because. You know how on like MySpace, you had the ability on your page to like. I feel like a lot of bands back then would put like. I think there was a, like a sidebar where it was like, who you sound like or who are your influence. Like there's a thing where I feel like bands would list out hella shit. Hmm. Influences, yeah, yeah, and people would check all that out, and then. You had like your top eight and things yeah. like that. That's how I found out a lot of bands. I would just be like, click here, click here, click here, like just go through top eights. Yeah, and sure. then 
and then you'd have like thank you lists and records. All that stuff, it's not even that it was all the information I think was always around, but it was a little more spread out, you know, or like, um, because you had like hardcore MP3, you had like pure volume, or maybe even dial it back a couple years later. It's like, okay, well, now I'm using Soul, like, Soul Seek was like a big thing for like me and my friends. Yeah. And going through that, and like, and then you have post that, and then you have like the blog spot, like Media Fire era of like people and doing then, that. One of the cool things about that time too is also like, if you had a friend that was just like kind of like always like a snap ahead, like I used to get shit from Albert Mall all the time. Like, hey, I found this fucking band Zon. They're like a German fucking Scrams band. Listen to them. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, yes, this rocks. He would burn me a bunch of CDs, like always having that friend too that would fucking just like, hey, listen to this. I feel like that was happening a lot too. Well, like my buddy, word of mouth. One of my friends had like a terabyte of hardcore, yeah. and like just core related stuff on his, um, on his soul seek account. And to where I would just like, I was telling someone about this the other day. We would go to their house and this was when like burning CDs was still a thing, you know? And like, we would just hang out at his house all day watching like movies and TV and the whole reason why we were over there is so we could burn CDs from him. Or, like, someone would have, like, an external hard drive, yeah. you know, and, like, just copying hella shit over. And, like, we would just find other stuff to do while we were doing that. But nowadays with, like, Spotify and stuff, it's not even that, like, it's all still there. But you, like, I feel like it's a little easier just, like, you know, you find, like, a playlist. Mm-hmm. And that could potentially have everything you need. And because of the way that... Spotify kind of forces people to like listen to music. Like, I don't think most people are necessarily listening to full albums, you know, like it's the whole playlist thing. Mm-hmm. Or you'll find like people listen to like a handful of songs by a band and that's kind of it. Yeah. As opposed to like a whole album. I remember having or they, like, or they just watch Taco Bell commercials to hear Turnstile. Yeah. I remember having like the biggest iPod you could have. And I would just go to my different friends' houses and put music on. And that's why my iPod was always fucked up. But, like, I had every band. It felt like I had every band ever on my iPod. I had Ben, ben Folds and the Sawtooth Grin on my iPod. Oh, so you were psyched to revisit the Sawtooth Grin. Then. I wasn't psyched. I was just like, man, I don't remember this. I had a grind friend. Um, and And grind is, like, I was were, like, they female? were they female? Because I feel like girls back then loved grindcore. Uh, do you remember Travis Cahill? You ever know know that kid? I know Travis Cahill. No, I knew I had a boss named Cody Cahill, and he was a fucking weirdo. Um, it might have been his brother. Was it? A, did you ever work at Journeys? No. Oh, okay. He Absolutely he, not. he was the manager of Journeys Kids. Um, uh, <laughs> but I. Yeah, so he was like a grind guy. I was like, well, I like power violence now, and I know grind is like an extension of power violence, so maybe I'll like it. No, we'll get we'll get into that too. Uh, <laughs> should we? So yes. So what we did is we compiled a massive playlist of fucking shitty bands or good bands, just these uh, C and D tier metalcore bands and grind bands and post hardcore, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And we picked like what was that? Five of them, six, six of them. Six. And so yeah, we're gonna talk about those six. Uh, first one we did was 
Bloodline Calligraphy. Yeah, so the record we listened to was They Want You Silent. Came out in 2005 on Face Down Records. Um, I don't know if you guys look at this, but uh, did you did anyone notice how many monthly listeners this band has? Oh, I did I more than I thought they would have. Yeah, me too. 1,160. They did a reuse. So when this record came out, they had like an EP before that. And then after this record, they got a different singer. Yeah. But they did a reunion at Face Sound Fest. I mean, this one was probably like a long time. I don't remember what year it was, but I want to say at the reunion, they had both vocalists there. Sick. But in like doing different songs. But um, I remember this record when it came out. I bought it. At, I worked at Hot Topic. I bought it at Hot Topic. I, I'm really bad with song names, and I'm not trying to learn these song names at this point. But, yeah, no. Um, whatever song we're at the end, it's like settle the score. Like, yeah, I think that was that's like, the first one. I think it's uh, shall we dance. Yeah, that was like within my friend group. That was like a go-to like mosh song that we would listen to like i i uh love the lord and at this point i loved hate breed so this was uh perfect for me um it's it's just straight up it's just hate breed worship i feel like they have i was telling when jason was cutting my hair earlier this like last week i was telling him about the because he he had like a big metalcore face too and yeah. we, were, we were he had never heard this band i was like they were a court phase because I was randomly talking with him about this. Was like the next one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was probably like the like, like, n- like it's a lot of Rise Records. Yeah, bands. like post yeah. Attack Attack, probably for how old they are. He that, what? That's a genre now. Post Attack. <laughs> I was describing him like I'm like it's one of those like. It's definitely out of like the bands on this list. It's definitely probably the most like hardcore one. Yes. But I was like, they have these like Southern rock part, like mosh parts occasionally. Not, I was like kind of more like old every time I die, like hot damn style parts where I was like, it's very like riffy. I think like one of the members had to just be really into Pantera. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm thinking like, they're from like, like fucking Pantera. Missouri, so that's close enough to. They're the from South. Michigan. Lungerfree's from Michigan. Okay. M M O M I very similar. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm just guessing that like somebody really liked Pantera. Yeah. There's a few bands on this playlist, and some of them we're not getting into. You could just tell loved Pantera. Perfect Murder is the band I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like but, this wasn't this didn't make me mad to listen to it, but it's like I get why I liked it at the time, but like yeah. it's got all the fast, cool, like, and I feel like it was definitely a thing back then where it's like the gallop, mm-hmm. or like you know, they'll hit like a galloping drum, drum fast, but not like fast, fast, but it's enough for like everyone on stage can all do like the synchronized, like jumping, yeah. you know, yeah. They they have like, like cool cool sing along parts, some fun stuff. Um, female female fronted. Like, uh... <laughs> one of it one really of is. three at the time. 
to say like they also would have like those um two-step parts just like they're a little too fast to actually two-step to mm-hmm. and so like a lot of bands like around this era did that where it's just like kind of really fast two-step parts like come on guys but honestly <laughs> hey, like, it fucking riffs like it wasn't they have, this either looking through some of the records that we didn't talk about that were on the playlist which we will these, get so, to in a future episode well these guys so like they're actually playing like metal riffs yeah but the drums are fast enough that the like the speed picking actually like lines up with what they're playing as opposed to like all the like oh i'll have to name it so when i was listening to a burning season record they're playing metal riffs but it doesn't sound like the drummer can play fast enough (laughs) to where it sounds like slowed down like gothenburg riffs whereas this had very fast drumming so it's like a lot of actual speed picking and getting like you're saying kind of it's like I already know what type of two-step you're talking about, where it was like metalcore riff, fast drum beat, so you could two-step to it, but it's pretty fast. Mm. Yeah. You almost have to follow the guitar riff more than the actual drums. Yeah. Yep. I'm glad that we all know the, the kind of like mosh part, <laughs> like shit from this, but no, um, I'm surprised actually, like, because I never got into Bloodline calligraphy that much. Um, and I'm surprised I didn't just listen to it. I'm like, this would have been like, fucking right there if I would have fucking found it. Yeah, they they played Boise the year that I moved here with Calico System. Oh, I was probably there. I, I liked Calico Systems a lot, and I didn't go to that show. So I've seen Calico because... System twice. That's insane. So it was like four or five times. It was at the venue, and it was the same night as that band See It Through from Reno. And at least for me, when it was always like... that See It Through and Ruiner at Brad's house? That was, see It Through played here so many okay, times. Okay, okay. But that was, that was a different show. But this was at... What was this? Was it the Impart? It was, this, it was across from Grove Street. Yeah, Imparts. So, yeah, it was at Imparts. And it was See It Through and probably Cestus. Hell yeah. But Bad tracks. it was the type of thing where it was like go to this bigger show of bands that I actually like more or go to the small DIY show because they need everybody there as possible yeah. as much as possible. So I'm like, I'll go to that show and it was fun, but it's Calico system. Yeah. I, I want to say, Oh, I feel like there was another band that might've hopped on the show, but I can't think of it, but uh, it, it might've been like some metalcore band. I think this is how I found out about bloodline calligraphy. I think Secrets Known to Liars from Twin Falls opened that show because they were also Christian metalcore. And I was really into them because I met Judah at church camp when I was a kid. <laughs> what a fucking story. We're like kind of buds. And so I remember going to that. I got no beef with Judah. <laughs> He's always been cool to me, but it's just funny. It is. But I think I went to that show and I saw, I saw Bloodline Calligraphy, and then didn't started listening to them. That has to be how it happened. You know, I've only seen uh, them. Really a lot of, and, I was gonna say this is a local band from Boise or from Twin Falls. It's called Secret Snow Liars. Their big claim to fame is that they knew Under Oath. <laughs> like they personally just knew the band Under Oath. And by that, their singer, the I think, punished the keyboardist enough that they were like. Kind kind of buds and Under Oath I think played Twin 
like early on. They they play, from, like from that like kind of shit, like playing in a garage, mm-hmm. shit, you know. Let's say Kyle was at that show because he's I think a year older than me, and he's ta- he's told me about that show before. Because Kyle, Kyle back in the day was going to all those shows, like because he grew up in Twin. But yeah, I, I mean, the kind of fame for Secret Stone to Liars was we know under oath. Yep. Were there a lot of paperboy hats at that show? Oh, sir. Uh, you mean like the, uh, it, yeah, yeah, like fucking record hats, like hot water music fan hats. Yeah, yeah, I think so, probably. Travis Cahill. Um, a little oversized, I hear. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think I heard of them just because I worked a hot topic, and that was back then. They would. They had like a good plug on like medium sized label, like hardcore releases. It was like, you know, like Eulogy, Face Down, Death Wish. Yeah. Kind of like Bridge Nine. Like, I mean, at this point, those are the bigger ones. But my favorite thing about Boise Hot Topic was no one bought the records I wanted. So I had to wait till they got on clearance and get them for like $3. You're talking about records or CDs? Because back then, well, not not back CD. then. It was when I was into records, oh. but yeah. I remember their little CD section was always sick because they always have the good stuff. They, that's where I picked up Nevaeh Tears, and I had never heard them Ugh. before. But I was, how did you I pick thought, it up? Like, what, like what brought you to that? I'm pretty sure it had like a sticker like for fans of, and it was like some other bands that I liked, and it was the thing with like. You know, forty percent off employee discount. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I got on CD or music too. But it was the type of thing where it was like back then. I was doing so many blind buys on records. If it had a good for the fans of, I'd be like, all right, I'll check this out. Yeah. Worst case, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So before but, we jump into that band, um, let's just do a quick like we like a real rating on it. But we like, need to talk about yeah. that they were on Face Down. This is the first face down we've covered on this podcast. Face down was like the B tier Christian label. It was like it was solid. State they would records. have a little bit more of the cred though. That's true. They had like hardcore bands and, and like it's Death Star X, right? I think that's our yeah. They got Death Star by the, when they picked up Death Star. Death Star wasn't cool anymore. Yeah. But they were like, yeah, they had more like outwardly straight edge bands, less like. They were Christian. Face Down picked up bands that actually weren't Christian, but they would just sign because it would, they'd get the record out and they'd be like, yeah, we're a Christian band, but then like actually weren't a Christian band. Yeah. Solid State come, did that come with, back, with the agony scene. Um, and yeah, that's why I listened to Comeback Kid because I was like, oh, they're Christian. Okay. I'll like, say that they were definitely, it's been like mentioned in interviews and stuff. They, how they definitely weren't ever a Christian band, but it was like, oh, like Figure Four was technically, yeah. And so, like, because of Figure Four, the guy, the guy was down to put comeback. I might have been like, I could be speaking out of turn, I could be wrong, but I almost feel like, I think Figure Four had some sort of contract thing, and they swapped it out oh. for comeback. So comeback it took their last release, like, oh. So figure four could get out of their contract, and it was like, well, if they probably if they signed a contract, I think it was like what two members of figure four were in comeback kid, yeah, and so I they probably had like 
if they had like a certain contract, I know this happened with other bands. It's like they have to stay with that same label because it's like to that person. So if like they started another band, then they have to do that. So it's probably something like their last record out on Solid State. Figure Figure Four did, I think. Yeah, that's how I knew who Figure Four was because I had the uh, the Tooth and Nail box set, which had eight CDs with it, and it was Tooth and Nail and uh, Solid State. It was tight. But um, also Seventh Star was on Face Down. I can't forget about them or Symphony and Peril. Yeah, they were. Face Down was one thousand times. I never liked Solid State personally. I always thought that well, was like Solid State was more good. like it was more under oath, like, and that was what I was into in the beginning. So like, awesome, I'm still into, buddy. <laughs> um, that's why I was drawn to it. I wasn't, I wasn't a hardcore kid yet. I had to get into, um, I had to get into sinking ships. What's your um, it's a great band? Um, what is your rating on this out of five? Just, just a normal like <laughs> five. What do you give this fucking record from Bloodline Calligraphy? You go first because I actually, I actually reviewed this on Crate not that long ago, so I'm 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 comparing to see if. So on this right here, I would give this a solid three. Like I'm surprised I wasn't um into this band more, um back in the day. It has good riffs, good breakdowns, nothing like super overly corny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you could tell like they actually probably liked metal and hardcore. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like they like metalcore, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I gave it, I gave it three out of five. My review on Crate from like a year, from March twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, at ten thirty p.m. <laughs> the fuck when are you listen- doing? Just like at ten thirty p.m. Time to review Bloodline Calligraphy. <laughs> when I listen to this, I think of me, this cat from Seattle who lived in a track jacket bedroom, moshing at this indie girl's house. Wild. That actually happened. Is that all true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This dude that this guy that I knew from Seattle was in town in Alaska at the time, and I remember we were this indie girl that we were friends with. They might be an indie them now, I don't know, but I haven't talked to them fucking forever. But we were um, at their house, and they were like a photographer, so they were they're always trying to do like funny videos and like pictures and shit. And I remember we were listening to that and like bedroom washing, and he had like an acoustic guitar, and he was like pretending to play it or something and like he i wish i had a picture of this guy like he had the the prototypical like almost like more like grindcore dude where he had like a track jacket girl jeans cuffed up you know like because he i'm pretty sure he had like a road bike Mm -hmm. um cadet hat kind of long hair but not super long and then um probably like vans or macbeth's up yet for a6 they have a bandana in his back pocket <laughs> i'm pretty sure he had a bandana actually <laughs> yeah oh i i, I know and the track jacket i'm pretty sure it was either turquoise or it was green hell yeah sense where's the band but, yeah, I, yeah i'd give it a three like it's nothing it didn't blow me away but it's like is it wasn't offensive cool. It's not something I'm necessarily seeking out, but like if it's on playlists that I've made for like going to the gym and stuff, and if it comes on, I don't skip it. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm it's listening to the best of face down, I'm not skipping this this one. Here, <laughs> so. yeah. It's no uh it's no calico system, well, that's <laughs> it's fucking not. Let's fucking get into the I only knew one song from this band, it was Helium Queen. What the 
what the fuck is with this band? Which would the Fair Tears? Yeah. Um. So. Who who had so you'd heard had, had you ever heard this band? Those yeah, they were they were one of my uh my my guys. The guy who got me into this shit, he put them on my iPod. I like how you that's, never mentioned their name. Eric, I talk about him all the time on this show. But you yeah, always you just say Derek. my musical shaman, my the guy who got me into no, just say Derek Younger <laughs> of the Meridian Idaho Younger. Derek Younger, shout out. Um, oh, I thought you said Eric. I was trying to quote Billy Mays. <laughs> Uh, Eric Muniz got me in the VHS. Yeah, this was one of like I think I listened to like one song, and I think it was on a different. Uh, it wasn't from this record. All oh, the bad stuff, um, or the worst. Like <laughs> I was in. I think at this time I was into like fucking Drop Dead Gorgeous a little bit, like that kind of shit. Oh, that would try. And then, and you were I, were you still like into like your like Hello Goodbye phase too? That might have been later, dog. <laughs> I also liked Hello Goodbye. They had one record that I thought was good. Um, that wasn't all crazy synthy. But this band. So for this, the the first record that was one that we listened to. Um, honestly, the vocals for like this style, I think, are pretty good. Like the the screams reminds me of Dallas Taylor and Under Oath. Yeah, like. This fully feels like someone, because on the last Dallas Green record, it had a lot, I feel like, way more keyboard emphasis than any of their other stuff. I think about the changing of the times. Yeah. The yeah. record fucking rocks. And I think, it had, like, the, the fucking, like, weird-ass fucking, like, keyboard. It's all dance parts. Like, I think on this record, there was definitely keyboard parts where I'm like, I know they were wanting people to two-step to this keyboard beat. Like, without question, like, they're playing a mosh rhythm. They do the keyboard into a breakdown. Or do you remember that band, The Rise, that was on Ferret? Yeah. It, this, I'm sure they were into The Rise, maybe. They're, that, that, that's definitely, like, D-list metalcore. Like, oh, it definitely is. Um, but... It's like a lot of these songs on this record had a very like I'm pretty sure these people had were very uh in need of therapy just from the tone of the songs. Like very sad like the last song on the record's like six minutes, like real sad. Yeah. It was some shit. Um this fucking This, this is record... not I'm surprised, like, if they would have probably come out a couple years later, they probably would have done more, just because, like, Attack, Attack and everything. But this was bad. It... I like the worst of this kind of genre, either. I thought when they hit, like, breakdowns and stuff, with, like, the way that the record was recorded, Mm -hmm. it sounds heavy. Like, I think they had, like, a... It doesn't sound like... I feel like for this era, a lot of the records didn't sound that great. Yeah. I think this is like recorded pretty well. I think the vocals are a little bit top heavy in it, yeah. a little bit, you know. But like, I think the vocals sound good. Like, they have a very almost black metal pitch to them. Yeah, they're like the like that. It's like the Dallas Taylor, the Jimmy from uh, Haste the Day kind of like just raspy yeah. shit. The type of thing where. 
when I listen to it, I'm like, I think that the you're either in a very specific register to where you can just do this a lot and you don't blow your voice out, or there's no way that you're pulling this off live consistently. Yeah. Or you're just doing it really quiet. Yeah. But no, I like this was definitely a blind buy for me at Hot Topic. Um it was because oh, I want to say didn't Eulogy put it out? Uh, yeah, they were on Eulogy. How? Um, well, no. if you go to the Wikipedia, I'm pretty sure they sent. I think it said they like back in the day. I mean, the Sweet Bands did. They just like mailed demos, you know. Yeah, you just, but, just mail your shit like a press kit out. Um, Eulogy was I'm like, sure oh, this is new. Too. We got some dance parts here. Oh. I'm pretty sure back then I was already a eulogy stan to where I was like, oh, cool. This is on eulogy for fans of it probably said under oath. Uh, it came out in 04. Like, like if you think about that, like it was like, I think four years until like that one attack attack record. Like that's what I was going to say. Like, were they ahead of their time? Yeah, they were. Back then there was under oath. There was the one refused record had some keyboards and stuff. First, the band. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, there were, ba- like, bleeding, like, bands had keyboard players, but it wasn't in, like, a more, like, dancey. It was Getting through much more. so sick, honestly. Well, I mean, the keyboards worked if it was, like, this is adding a layer to the music yeah. to make it sound more symphonic, whereas Nevaeh Tears is, like, all right, we're going to get everyone in the girl jeans and the youth large shirts to be like, be this. I'm going to use this term because it's definitely going to date it in the way it's supposed to be. We're going to get everyone acting very like metrosexual mm-hmm. in the pit. And then, so it's like, um, do you guys remember when like. It's also very calculated for like, like well, let's get the scene girls and the guys. Like yeah. we have the breakdowns. And the dance parts, so then everybody's happy. It's you like, remember when everyone? There was a specific time where I feel like a lot of scene kids in, like you know, air quotes hardcore folk, were really into the faint. I don't remember that. I had a lot of friends that were really into the faint, which is like an electric electronic band. And do you guys ever remember when people at shows? I can like visualize it instantly of like people in like dudes in girl jeans in the pit dancing, but not in like a moshy way, more so like very like flamboyantly dancing kind of to like the rhythm of songs and like it almost being like a counter to like people acting super like alpha and like moshing hard and like I just imagine a guy in a blood brothers shirt doing that. Yeah, that's exactly like yeah. I had like I had a group of friends in Anchorage who when I met them we were all into the, like they liked Thursday, they liked Blood Brothers, they liked Glassjaw, they liked Poison the Well and stuff like and like Thrice and shit. But then when me and my friends veered off into more like Unearth and Barrier Dead and like bleeding through and terror and stuff they veered off into more um more like electronic stuff 
but they still liked like breakdowns and stuff, but they didn't like the, the machismo around it. Mm-hmm. Then we would, when we'd be at shows and stuff, they would be doing the more blood brothers. They would be like moving around to music in a more blood brothers type way. Yeah. yeah. You know? And then when the mosh fart hit, he spin kicked all of them, <laughs> pushed them out of the way. <laughs> Those kids would also be into fear before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Hot Hot Heat. I don't know if anyone remembers that. I remember that band, but I never listened to them. Um, I had that bandage song, It Kicks Ass. Oh, sir, what's your fucking deal with this record? Did you like it? Oh, it fucking sucks. It's garbage. <laughs> like, the synth parts were atrocious. They weren't done right. Um, yeah, it's bad. Um, the singing, the singing, and I because I watched live videos. Too. Oh no, I wanted to fucking know. I did the it least amount of research for this episode that I've ever done for this show. Um, I probably did the most. I'm just kidding. Um, I just wanted to see how they try to pull this off live, and they didn't. Yeah. Um, and then I just was looking to see what the fuck like this band did, which is apparently nothing. But again, like this record came out in 04. If this one came out in 08, like right around Attack Attack, they would have hit. 100% what it is. It has 321 monthly Spotify listeners. Yeah. And they're yeah. trying to come back? Yes. They, they're, they're smelling that uh, Furnace Fest money. Yeah. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Except, like, I don't even think they'd be on that. Oh. They'd be, like, on, like, a regional Furnace Fest. Fucking Space Heater Fest. <laughs> Dude, I don't know, man. Some of the bands that have gotten together for Furnace Fest, That's I... I don't know. I, calligraphy just played a show. It was 2021, by the way. I looked it up. Um, I think one of the guys in the band died, so I want to say. Real quick, Ralph, that's when Ralph and I talk about old like metalcore bands, that's one of his go-tos is Bloodline Calligraphy. So weird. fucking weird. <laughs> well, it's like I sent Devin a like uh, somebody posted their Spotify wrapped, and it's like in fucking 2022, this person had Inked and Blood as one of their top fucking bands that's they listened so- to. <laughs> Still, I'm like that is insane. It's like I'm not fucking on there listening to fucking a perfect murder or anything. I'm listening to means or continuance. Eastside, what would you give surrender? this Nevada record out of five? This one out of five? Uh, a one, just because sometimes their breakdowns are cool. I'm giving a one and a half. I'm, I'll go. There's two songs that I thought were pretty sick, but. The whole time listening to this album, I kept pausing it and doing something else, and then I come back and listen to like a few more songs. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll go one. I remember this one being a little harder to get through. Also, how long is this one? Again, forty forty one minutes. Yo, records don't need to be that long. No, oh, I think also it's because I was listening to just this playlist for a bit, then it went into Odd Project, and Odd Project I thought was really fucking bad. Like one of the worst things on here, and so like just in my head, I'm like, well, at least this is an odd project. Okay, what do we got next? We got uh, what do we want to do next? On the let's see, uh, sawtooth grin. God, yeah, see sawtooth grin. So Yo. in Boise, I know this is a big thing, but I, it's when it's like when Thomas stopped being in Cassie. Thomas is a guy who lives in Boise. Um, he was in a bunch of bands, kind of a. He's always around like the hardcore like shit. Um, he's in a mosh band called Cassidy, yeah. and then they he turned into a grind band fighting bears by hand. Yeah, but it was I feel like when it was he, better than this. 
it was. I feel like at that time, like when he did that, a bunch of people were trying to get into grind. Again. Like, yeah, it was like bands like that. And then like people really wanted to like, like number 12 looks like you and fucking, uh, I can't even think Great of Red Duck Hope. anymore. Great Redness Hope. Destroyer Destroyer. Destroyer Destroyer. Me and him calling yeah. us. Yeah, me and him calling us is sick. Um, Blake, I like Blake. I like Destroy Destroyer more because at least some of those bands work were heavy. Yeah, well, this was it's fucking weird. Is, I did not. I like feel it. like this is so. We listened to the record Cuddle Monster came out in '04 uh, on the Wax Vessel Records. This was, on, this was on a that the Burnt Plastic song was on a lot of girls with mullets MySpace pages. Okay, that's their profile song. Um, oh, um, fuck, I just thought the band Daughters. Yeah, but like Daughters a modern, was a like, little cooler, I remember. Like, a little sassy. little, like, this is just some dude who thinks he's a jazz guitarist playing, like, really fast, the worst vocals you've ever heard in your life, and then... All the vocals are an acquired taste at best. Um, and then... The crazy thing, though, is this guy live sounds like that. It's not like it's not good produced. No, like there's a really cool set from them from this era, and it fully goes into most of the fake grindcore MySpace um, kids. Like they're trying to dance to it, but they don't. Other than like one or two people in the crowd, they don't really know how to dance, or it just looks. This is why the metal dudes didn't like people that were dancing because of people like this. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's like the super sassy, like the singer is all their mannerisms make you want to kick their ass, and like the but the dude literally sounds just like he does in record live. And as far as I can tell, he didn't have any effects or anything on his voice. He just sounds like that. His voice was at that really uncomfortable high register where it just sounds like it's immediately clipping as soon as he starts singing. So with this, I remember like on MySpace, everybody like people I would go to, they would have the song, the the first song, the "Give Me the Amen, You Bitch," because I remember that beginning part with that little fucking bing, and then it just hits into the grind shit. Mm-hmm. I just remember fucking being like so mad at that all the time. I I tried to get into some grind like. Gain was cool. I liked Heavy Heavy Lolo because they had monster. Gain fucking kicks so much ass. I still listen to them like not fairly often, but like they're a band I listen to at least once. Like I'll I'll go back every year and listen to like their first record. It's I liked when like the like if you're gonna be grindy, also have some just ridiculously heavy parts. Mm. Like I need it change from just like super high pitched screaming and just like fucking blast beats and dumb guitar. Give me just some stupid, just like dun 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 breakdown, and I'll be happy. Yeah, this was straight up like, oh no, like the jazz guitar parts were just like, he's like, look what I can do. This is track jacket yeah. core. We Fully. get it. You're good at guitar, um, and you're so avant garde. Good for you. Yeah. Wanna... This is a deep cut. Is this Wade Wilson core? Oh, Wade. Uh, Wade that was in Fighting Bears and um, the and Hold the White Horse, Hold the White Horse, Cassidy. Yeah. 
He was in Leroy for about a month. <laughs> Who wasn't? I was. My base was. Nova was in Leroy for a couple show. Um, um, Tay Rays was in Leroy for a couple shows. Pablo Heston, Luke from Guitar Center. <laughs> uh, in the Fox Run? Had it all. Yeah, Luke from the I Fox feel like Run. a lot of people that went to the Slaughterhouse probably fucked with Sawtooth Grin. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. But like, yeah, it was just, it was a weird, weird thing. I want to listen to their new record they just put out because someone I know reviewed it on Brooklyn Vegan and was like saying how it was actually like really good. It sounds Fuck it off. sounded better. I listened to like two seconds of it. It sounded better than this, but I was like, I, I don't need it. Uh, and I think because of their new record, they have the most monthly listeners of any band on this list. I think they have three thousand one hundred ninety-eight. Oh yeah, they do. Well, I'm not even gonna lie, like. The Amulet song and the Burnt Plastic song. There was a point in time where I really liked those songs just for how like absurdly like noisy it was. But then those songs also had like mo- like cool mosh parts. Yeah. But the overall album What did I say? I I love Crate. It's my go-to for finding anything I've read about. <laughs> This was the one that I enjoyed listening to least, but I don't think it's the worst one. I, d- I, I gave had, it a- had the worst time listening to this one. Yeah. I gave it a three out of five. It said, this is OG simp music. Give this a 0.5. Yeah, Destroyer Destroyer was sick. I liked that, but I liked me and him call it us. You know, Blake that lives here was in that band? Yeah, I remember that. I remember hearing about that. Charlie's like... Charlie has a... Like, he will definitely... Um, I feel like if it's homie stuff, he definitely, like, will put more gravitas to it than... Because he was like, they were, like, a pretty big band. I'm like, they were popular, but I was like, I don't think they were as influential as you think they were. Yeah. Because to him, he's like, they were a crazy band. I'm like, dude... I know how old you are. There's no way that that band was even on your fucking radar. Like, when they were a thing, because that was like... But, um... Yeah, like... If they were, good on him, but I feel like they were such a short-lived thing. Yeah, and I think think there's times, too, especially when bands just kind of were a big deal in Boise we think of them as a big deal they weren't no right we well, just had some weird shit and so um we'll keep going and Oster will join us mid thing let's see the next record um yeah do you still give this one a three sawtooth yeah i i was i think by the end of the record i'm over it but i think the songs i do like i'm like this is pretty sick like it, I think, especially because I'm like I like a lot of fast hardcore now that yeah. I can like vibe on like a lot of the stuff just being faster. It's fair. I just uh, I don't know. The vocals fucking kill it. They're they're insane. Like I would love to see recording videos of them recording like isolated vocal tracks and fun. like um. All right, we got 
do fucking 12 tribes because this record fucking rocks. Yes. So the uh, 12 tribes, um, Barrett Records, fuck yeah. Did you have you listened to any of their old stuff before this? Um, I never like I feel like I just never got into 12 tribes because like by the time I was, I was supposed to see them a couple times and like I never just did. So they have a record out on Eulogy. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> let me look at I did a 12 tribes deep dive during lockdown. Yeah. Because I hadn't listened to their old record. I bought it at a used record store. And I remember I listened to it once and didn't like it. The one from like, it's like from 99. All right. So I gave, I gave this one one and a half out of five. Let's see. I love the material on fair and bought this at a local record store back in the day. Didn't like it. Trying many years later. This is way too all over the place. Like I can't imagine this going over live at all. Glad they stepped it up on the later era stuff. That record is full on like part mesh up, you know, just like it does they don't sound necessarily like songs. It's just like a bunch of parts pulled together. Yeah. And like it's just very lots of weird off tempo stuff that doesn't really go anywhere. The record after that they did a it was like an EP. Mm-hmm. That one I remember thinking was cooler, but Rebirth was where yeah, I kind of wonder, especially like because you and I were talking about how the first half of this record is so catchy. It is, and then it kind of like the second half of the record sounds much more like their older stuff, like a more refined, but. Definitely more like the older material to where I wonder. I don't know. Do you, let me see. If they would have, to me, if they would have like capped it at Chroma, called it a six song EP, like it'd be so good. I'm very surprised they didn't lean into the like more rock aspects that they had. Cause I feel like they could have been a really, really good heavy rock band. Um, I'm trying to see. So, I hated the production on this record, though. It's from you know 2004. Who, and who this record? Produced it. Howard Jones. Howard Jones produced He did a bad job. Um, Because I was going to say... Piss at him. For well, this I'm story. wondering... What I was going to say is I'm wondering how much of the... Produ- like. Because it really feels like the first four songs have a very different feel and they're way catchier to where it was like, Howard's like, all right, guys. I'm in Kill Switch, okay? <laughs> I was in Blood Has Been Shed. I understand it's fun to be technical and all over the place. Like, but also, it in. When I joined Kill Switch, Found the, the gigs, man, the road, like, it's a different, you're in a different echelon at that point, you know? Yeah. I really wonder if they're like, especially because back then records were super front loaded. I mean, they what? still are even now, but 
if it was like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna get you guys some more radio friendly, catchy stuff, and we're gonna front load that on the record because like the first couple songs definitely have a kind of a hip hop feel to it vocally, and they're very bouncy, but they're still technical. And but other like the like thing because like what Oster message us was like, hey, like. If I would have found this, like when I was into POD, I like, would have been a shit. And it's like, yeah, he kind of has that same like flow that like Sonny from POD has. Well, and, like it has a very like none of the songs, other than the second song, have a flat out like open up the dance floor part. Like yeah. they all have breakdowns, but they're like vocal parts over it to where it's like if you know the songs, you could pay, you'll know when to dance. Mm-hmm. But it's like on the second one, it has a very call out riff. And I watched some video of them playing like the song where like dude makes a fucking mosh call for everyone to like, you know, open it up, set it off. But even then, then when they hit that breakdown, it only lasts for like maybe 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's just over. I think but, like, it's, it's going to be funny. I'm going to say the exact opposite about another band we're going to talk about. But I think they needed to lean into like the singing and the melody. Because I think they could have probably gotten to that, like, maybe not the kill switch level, but uh, like the level under that. They would have just leaned into it because they, they do a really good job of it. They needed to do I that. They're a band that musicians liked a lot like when we were recording the last when we were recording can we wait ryan and i were talking about them a lot and he was like this like i'm sure they toured with misery signals before i think they did but he was like so but he was like this shit hold i'm reading uh, do you do you ever look at this website called all music I'm reading this thing about them. Um, yeah, this is crazy. Um, 12 Tribes work should be categorized as metalcore, not screamo. Stylistically, they have a lot more in common with Throwdown, Every Time I Die, Dead Soil, Rotten Sound, and Hemsa than they do with screamo units. Like, from Autumn to Ashes, Nora, and Motion Picture Demise. <laughs> well, okay. Um... And let's see. Uh, da, 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 um, hold up. There's a report. For about two months in late 2003, early 2004, 12 tribes changed their name to Prodigal Zoo. But they ended up deciding the name change wasn't a good idea. And there's too much history attached to their old band name. By the time Ferret released Rebirth of Tragedy, they went back to being called 12 tribes. Um, Let's see. They've toured the U.S. with Candiria, Misery Signals, and 36 Crazy Fists. So I remember when I saw them in Alaska, the reason why they came up was because 36 Crazy Fists was from Alaska, and they had the, the plug, and 36 was playing that fest, so 12 Tribes was, like, the get that the fest had, like. And they were, like, one of the headliners, and I'm kind of like, well, I was saying, when they played Alaska, they were, like, a headliner at this fest. And I feel like they are a metalcore tour package opener. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, or it'd be like like a a bigger like mid level venue like 
opener and then they would do like so maybe the off dates is like a part of a package and they'd be the direct support for like the second band on the bill yeah and they'd be the direct support on those small shows like a hundred people but yeah they should have really leaned into the the rock stuff um because it is the dudes are just like yeah they're from ohio like I remember I was telling you, like, at that fest, we, like, punished, me and my friends punished all of them all day. And, like, being that they're, like, a hard, like, you know, we'll just say a core band playing Alaska, there weren't that many core people up there to where they, like, saw our merch and stuff, and it was like, okay, y'all are all automatically our boys. Like, yeah, everyone, everyone here is in, like, Hurley shirts and, like, you know, fucking Alaska bullshit. Whereas you guys have like poison the well and like fucking under the shirts on, like y'all are the fucking homies. It's like I, I, you sent me that video from that show, and I'm like, oh, it's always funny just seeing like kind of like alt people there because like they, I, I almost like you feel like they have to be, and like just the trucker hats and like the fucking zoomies clothes. It's like, yeah, yeah. like they were just like talking to each other during the set. <laughs> yeah, just like they're waiting for Thirty Six Crazy Fist to play local heroes. Fucking Local Heroes 36. That's another fucking band that'd be on this list. They were... They were the band that was... Not... I like them, but I also think that, like, they weren't too much of anything to where they kind of, like, floated in this weird... We'll just say Roadrunner Records world, you know, where it's like... You could tell on their third record, they started throwing in straight up breakdowns because it was like, Asley Dying and Unearth and Killswitch are big at this point. Mm-hmm. We all have toured with bands like this, but no one is trying to push Mosh at these shows to your guys' like groove metal parts with screaming. Like, you need to have like full on like chugga chugga triplet parts. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And also, but- I didn't know that they were around for as long as they were. They were 10 years, baby. Yeah, like that was a long time. But yeah, um, I like this those 12 Tribes record. I thought it was um it was good, especially it was definitely front load. Like I said, if they would have stopped after Chroma, I'd have been like really happy. It's like six songs, it's been a bit of solid EP, call it a day. Um I think a lot of records just need to be EPs. I mean that's the thing like i think i think back then more than anything you could and i i noticed this way more in the last couple of years so many records from up to like the like once like once streaming really became a thing i feel like you saw the the album thing wasn't as big but like up until that point, a lot of records had so many filler tracks where it was like they needed yeah. to fulfill an album. Whereas, like, I kind of think most bands, it's like if we have four strong, like, really, really strong songs, and especially, like, we'll say metalcore songs, like, they were always, like, a little bit longer to where you could play a six-song metalcore set on tour, and that's all you needed to have to tour yep. To where it's like, all right, you can have an intro song, play one or two songs off old releases, and then the four 
bops from the record and maybe like a weird deep cut on the record but like you guys just like playing but yeah. it's the it's the breather on this and during the set for people to kind of chill play you play the slower song the if it's a little groovier it's like the deftones influence song it's the breather one i i understand that completely that's that's exactly what my set does when we play we have that one slow song like this is the chill song yeah so i think with them because even the record, I like the record after this, but even it's the same thing. There's like a handful of really catchy songs, and then they're more Candiria weird. Yeah, that's stuff. a fucking band I haven't, I feel like I haven't heard about in a long time is Candiria. They, I never got into them, but I think that the vocalist is really good. Yeah, I agree. But it was, that, that was too jazz infused. One over here. This record, I would give a 3.5. Especially That front part is really good. I hate the production, but I think it beats the production. Like The guitars sound very, very wimpy on it. And so do the drums. And it's like, Howard Jones produced this, and it's like, they should have just had Adam D produce it, because listen to that fucking like, Parkway record. I think it sounds great. He did that in two weeks. Dude, the Parkway record sounds fucking awesome. He did the... Yeah. What did I give this record when I reviewed it? Uh, Lumpy from Days Records, he reviewed it on Crate, and it's like, album is okay, kind of got a soft spot for it because they played one of my first shows touring off of this. It's got like two dope tracks. Um, I'd give it three out of five. Not bad. Yeah, no, yeah, actually, no, I'll give it three and a half out of five because I think the songs on it that are good are really good. Mm-hmm. It's just that. A fucking, what song is it? This it would have been. Venus Complex is a fucking great song. Yes. That is such a good song. It honestly, like. So. Let's see. Translation of Fixes is sick. Post Replica, how the vocal break into the next song. Is really cool. Um, yeah, just honestly, even when I was listening to this all the time back when it came out, after Venus Complex, I usually just turned the record off. I was like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, okay, we're good enough here. Get those four songs, call it a day. Yeah. That's fair. Um, let's go to the next record on the list. That is fucking, let's go to Hurt Process. This fucking band. What a pile of crap. This is so fucking bad. I remember... Because weren't they signed to, like, Victory? Um, Yes. They were signed to Victory, and so, like, this was one of the, like, bands, like, I was, like... I just was, like, okay, let's just see how this is. They toured bands I like, and I, I remember back then, I fucking hated this. It was so wimpy. It was so shitty. I couldn't fucking play like metalcore good they couldn't play fucking like radio rock like well like they were like too big of wieners to play like actual metalcore but like they wanted to be manly so they weren't going to be fucking emo so it's like it just made this fucking fart of a record they were the band that so this was this was the first time i actually listened to the album ever and it was legitimately heavier than i thought it was going to be because yeah. all the singles were much more like 
Hold on really quick. Should I look over there? Um, the singles were much more like Silverstein-esque. Yeah. Whereas like, I think Silverstein had heavier material that they didn't put out as singles. And it was kind of the same thing. Like, well, the I think Silverstein one, actually probably liked hardcore. Like the no, singer, they probably, I want to yeah. say, I could be wrong, but I feel like the drummer, someone in the band from Silverstein is in a is in a floor punch picture on one of their records. Like a live <laughs> shot, like in the crowd. That's sick. Um and I know they've covered they I wanna cover, say they've Silverstein covered Orchid, like on one of their fucking like They covered like, Strife on one of their records too. Like they have a Strife cover that they've recorded. Yeah. I thought Silverstein's cool. Like I don't listen to them anymore, but like I don't have any that they're cool. Like one step closer is doing a tour with them in this, like I think in the spring. And I'm like, I saw cool. that. That's fucking sick. Um, but this record's terrible. Like it, all the singles felt like. Do you know what? Like, so like they have two vocalists. They have the, the singer and the screamer. Of course. And I feel like with the singles. Kind of how, you know, this fans, obviously, there's controversy for good reason, but Lost Prophets had the singer, you know, the, the scummy guy. Yeah. But then they also had a DJ that did all the screams. And I felt like when you, that worked still because he was keep doing electronic, you know, DJ shit. Whereas with this band, for instance, the single that they did, I felt did such a disservice to the screamer because the singles almost all just clean singing. And then he's just layering screams in the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when a static will by released their second record and it's like, it's going to be all singing and homeboy. You just kind of go back there and hang out for a while. Yeah. You, you, you will layer the parts or you'll maybe do some of the, verses of the song and then when you hit the big chorus he's going to be in the background yep buried in the mix and so like this record just like it seemed like they didn't like it reminded me of remember when Trustkill tried to sign a couple of bands like bedlight for blue eyes and roses are red and i felt like i got duped by yes. this like this shit too is because it's like especially at the time like on victory i'm like it's got to be it's gonna be cool stuff like victory puts out great stuff and then you listen to it like this is like for like they're trying to find like another Silverstein. This like, was to me the post. What year did this come out? Do you have that pulled up by chance? It was oh four. At least that's what it says on here. Yeah, on Spotify it says uh, two thousand four. Okay, so to me this felt like to me. Sorry, I'm repeating myself. The post Atreyu boom. Yeah, where and like Under Oath was getting like all these bands that had singing and screaming were actually starting to like be able to fill like bigger rooms and Mm -hmm. you're seeing the shirts at the mall and Warped Tour and everything like from first to last is getting ready to pop under like I said Under Oath right but all these bands were like hitting that next level and I feel like, I mean, I'll be honest, the fact that they're from the UK is not doing them any favors. Because, <laughs> I mean, they, for all I know, they could be big. Over, they could have been big over there. I don't know. Yeah. And 
I think, especially back then, it was way more important to tour. You know, and I think that's one reason why I think Caliban did so well over here is because they actually toured the U.S. even though they're from Germany. I felt like I saw them like multiple times, and like I, they were like, yeah, they're from Germany. I saw them multiple times at the venue. Uh, oh, your actual vest—that's hanging up. That's awesome. I watched it. Yeah, your cloth. Um. I know Caliban played the venue a couple times for sure. Yeah, oh, I, I remember like, one time me and uh, your boy Nate went. Uh, we drove from Caldwell and to watch Caliban. Congleton? Your boy Nate Congleton. Um. Yeah, because I feel like I was listening to a podcast the other day with the singer of that band High Viz, and he was saying how like, oh, you know, like work visas we have to get a work visa to come over and like tour and that's five grand a person. So unless you're like really going for it as a band, like it's not really financially feasible because you're not going to make money. You're no one's going to be coming home with five grand a piece yeah. from doing like a DIY tour. So I think that like back then I'm sure the ability to make money cause they're on victory and I feel like a lot of those bands were like, I mean, even like you'd remember, like the Knitting Factory was having way more like metalcore shows back then. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because you could fill a room. Yeah. And I think that with these guys, I don't you think they fill could fill a fucking shed. I was like, maybe in the, I don't know, like reading, I think I read through the Wikipedia last week and it was like, it just sounded very sad the way they tried to describe the band where it was like it's punk, it's metalcore, it's hardcore, it's screamo, it's emo, it's got everything. And I'm like, when you try to hit everything, that generally doesn't work. No, and it's it just ends up it just ended up being really bad. Um there's I hated their all the vocals. Guitar parts were so wimpy that were trying to be heavy. It's because I think they didn't want to lean into that, but then they didn't want to lean into being like a full, just like rock band or emo band. And so they ended up just like, kind of like you said, like that post to try you under oath, like trying to get into there, but they didn't do it well. And so, do you remember when bands back then, the songs themselves weren't heavy? The way that they were able to be heavy was because of screaming. The parts yeah. themselves weren't that like, but it was like, oh, if you have like screamy vocals over this, like, it'll make this part sound way crazier than what it actually is. Like, look at like the they're only chasing safety from under oath. Like a lot of the, like, especially like the singles, like they have quote unquote breakdowns, but they're not heavy breakdowns. But like they're screaming over it, so it's heavy. I couldn't mosh to a single thing on that record, like at oh, all. God. No, like, that's what I'm saying, though, like, but I remember when that record came out, I thought it was heavy. But then yeah. a year, even a year later, listening to it, I'm like, I like this album, but there ain't no way I'm moving anyone out of the way to this stuff. Like, but then the record after had that one breakdown on it. That was pretty sick. Uh, talking about um, everyone looks so good from here. Is that the one that's like dun 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 dun? dun it's like dun, later dun. on the record, like towards the end. Yeah, 
yeah. second to last song. I love that's that song. record. Find the great lines. Find the great lines of shit. Um, this um, one is shit though. This fucking heart process. It's so bad. I remember when I was listening to this, I was texting you, and just like so many parts where I'm like, you know that they think they're like hate breed, but it doesn't sound like hate breed. But they think that like what they're playing is just fucking heaviest thing in the world. Like this is so heavy. All the moshers are gonna love this. Like, let me look up right now. Like, who did they even tour with? I I want to say they toured with like bands like Norma Jean and shit, and. Probably a Treyu and Silverstein. Let's see. Let's see if they have it on there. Love you. Let's see. Wikipedia. Um, here's a good Korean quote. The oral, the oral equivalent of being punched in the face only for your attacker to offer a kiss the bruising better. Ooh. That sounds very uh, manipulative. <laughs> it really does. Let's see. They've had a lot of different... Uh, let's see. Their first demo came out in 2002. Apparently Drive-By Mala came out in 2003. Oh, okay. I was saying 2004. So maybe it came out in 2003 in the UK. And then for the victory one, it came out in 04. That would make sense. Um, looks like they would, they towards like taking back Sunday. That's weird. I mean, they played several weeks on the Vans Warp Tour. Huh. Let me see. Maybe oh, they fucking toured with Calico Systems and Silent Drive. I remember Silent Drive. I know, I'm thinking of Silent Majority. Underworld oh, process Silverstein. That makes sense. Are we gonna have that flyer right now? Oh, are <laughs> let's see. Um, oh yeah, and that's the fucking. That's in the roses UK. are red. Oh my god, that's a whole. Ugh. Oh my god, like that. What a show! And it's like the under oath, like where they're like, it's their fucking uh, pictures for. They're only chasing safety. Like, they just look like little fucking wieners. Yeah, that all tracks on who they were trying to tour with and what they were trying to do. But they just, like, they didn't do that style well. For their follow-up record, I'm looking at the sticker. Metalcore, email, and hardcore for fans of Hawthorne Heights, My Chemical Romance, Silver Scene, and Fall Boy. Free bonus air guitar inside. Fucking Tony Brummel's cheesy fucking ass. There's this a is the fact that, like, show. Hurt Process Reflux and Born to Break Even. I would fucking stop playing in Reflux, too, if I had to open for that. <laughs> yeah, what are, we, what are we giving this out of five? I'm giving this a fucking point five. I'm going to do one out of five. One out of five. That's Just because I like the album cover. Because I like Derek. Derek the only has- thing- the only saving grace is like the production isn't awful. <laughs> yeah, it sounds fine. Yeah, that's the only saving grace. And then last band we have is my favorite out of the the ones that we chose. They live by Calico Systems, which was the fucking shit. Yeah, they live kicks ass. 
Yeah. I'm really looking at Mahan say it. This record rocks. Yeah, this record's great. Um, I'm so surprised they didn't break out as much as they should have. I remember I saw them like multiple times, and one of the times, um, that they were the headliner over Chiodos. It's I feel wild. like that did not last. No. Well, I think part of it too for them was that. So they had their first record that came out. I don't think that record's very good, personally. The, uh, the, first one. the duplicated memory. That one is more like. We'll just say. Fuck, hold on. Um. Taylor just left for work. She just pulled back. She um, their first record was way more mathy. I feel like if I remember, like it's a lot of clean singing. Like the first record is what got me into them because the single was really good on it. That level kill all. Is it the one that's like? Let me let me crank it up. If it's, I think that's what it is. It's the like I if I if I remember correctly, it's like it starts off with like that fast two step that we were talking about. Well, that's not even the first record's not even on Spotify. So. Yeah. I, I want to say it has to be Level Kalal because that was the first song off the duplicated memory. Yeah. I know my Calico system. But I remember really liking that song. So then when They Live came out, I feel like They Live. I think they got a different guitar player in between. I think a day to remember, a day to remember definitely took influence from this band. There's no way that they didn't. <laughs> I well, because like, they live has like big choruses to stuff. Mm-hmm. That's like where the most fucking, uh, the title track, like the they live, like the song, like yeah, what a fucking chorus. The songs have big choruses. The mosh parts are pretty fucking heavy. They're unearth ripoff mosh. And parts. they do the thing where they hit the breakdown and then they slow it down after. <laughs> and that's like the full like you know, that that that's that's where you really when you have the breakdown long enough to where the first part has the people that are actually like good dancers. And then it slows down to where all when they're tired, all the kids who are just like getting into the mix can go out after and start moshing <laughs> a little bit. And like just like some of like the the dissonance and stuff they would use, it's very of the time. Do like, like um this record rocks. Like I think I told you it reminds me some of the parts definitely remind me of on Broken Wings level, like heavy. Yeah. But then the choruses are just very a day to remember. I'm trying and to think of like what other bands back like kind of like, a Irish. Yeah, because like I think he was trying to sound like Dallas Green, and like nobody's gonna sound like him because Alexis on Fire also writes amazing hooks. Um, I think that this band probably could have gotten bigger if they wouldn't have had as much singing. Like if they yeah. leaned a little bit more into like the riffing and the breakdowns, I think they probably would have hit the next level and like went from like a C tier to a B tier. I think they were too singy for like the basketball shorts crowd. Like 
those kids would go to those shows because they had mosh parts, but I think that it wouldn't appeal to straight up hardcore kids because yeah. it was too well. Even though it's not a screamo, it's still screamo, you know? Yeah, like, no, exactly. Because it's definitely if you're looking at like the Hurt Process or like Silver Scene or bands like that, this is way heavier than that shit. Oh, by a like, lot. Like real breakdown slowing it down dissonance like they had like the fucking like metal like euro metal riffs like they had it all this is definitely side print t-shirt fan yeah um i remember i had a calico system shirt in 2005 go under the text channel and hit general okay something in there a def, it's an old MySpace picture of me, and How come it won't let me see it. And I am wearing a Calico System shirt. Hold on, how do I? Oh, there we go. Sorry. Is that a Norma Jean hoodie? Uh, Haste today. Oh. Five. They. I had the one that they had on the Eulogy Records store. It was like a black shirt with like neon green and white logo. Hell yeah. Calico system. I wore that a lot. Um, I want to say I bought that at a Calico system show. Yeah, it's like a shirt that they would sell on tour. Yeah. Like they kind of. I think if they cut this down also to an EP, it would have probably done better as well. I I think this record flows better than most of the records on here and like doesn't feel like as long. It doesn't. The record after this is horrible. Oh, yeah. So I listened to that. Um, just because I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I don't remember them after this record. Like, I feel Isn't like I, it more, a little more like Southern rockish. It's like not necessarily Southern rock, but it's like Norma Jean, like in the like weird, like kind of mathy-ish, like angular riffs, you know? Yeah. Like, but there was a little bit of Southern, but it was just strange. I didn't, I just didn't like it. Because the thing that was like. The thing that made this record cool to me was that it was catchy. Very catchy, like you'd get songs stuck in your head. And then it had very heavy parts. Yeah. Whereas like if you're going more like Norma Jean kind of a little more all over the place, like chaotic metalcore. Mm-hmm. The thing that worked for Norma Jean was they at least, at least to me. So, like, we'll dive, we'll sidestep a little bit. The difference between "Bless the Martyr" and "Oh God," and the reason why I think "Oh God" did so well for them was because it took the stuff they'd already done but made it palatable and catchy. Whereas, yeah. like "Oh God" or "Bless the Child," like it's cool, but it's not a catchy record. Other than "Memphis will be like." Everything is very like I feel like it's just going one direction then the song's done. Yep. Whereas Oh God has like choruses and it's catchy. Cause in theory they should have they'd already been a band for a while. Yeah. And like usually getting a new singer can is usually like the death of a band a lot of the times, you know? Especially well, for that style. It both like got better like on that the next couple records. Same. I think that I don't think they're good anymore, but I think that they're a band. Like, they're one. They put out one record that I really liked, like that was recent. It's just because it reminds me of Deftones a lot. 
here. That record's good. That's the uh, the one from I think 2014, something like that. I don't know. They they put out one that was like just it was heavy and just sound like Deftones, and I'm like that. Hey, I think for a really long time, Charlie and I talked about this on tour before. Like every record has at least a few really good songs, like just straight up like good songs, where it's like you you could listen to this anytime, and you're like, this is sick. But yeah, Calico really. Uh, I think it's probably the thing. It's so weird. Well, it's probably the thing too, where it's like. I feel like for bands in that area where you're seeing your peers because there were so many bands around that era, you're seeing the ones that pop. So then you probably it's either want to emulate that or do something completely different. It's like, well, maybe this will work instead. Yeah. It's like, well, there's already like X, Y, and Z doing this. So let's go different. Cause like the next record came out like in 07 and so it's like a day to remember was already kind of hitting. Like I said, like they they were headlining over Chiodos on a tour, and then like I said, that stopped very quickly because um, then Chiodos became like a huge band. So they're probably like, yeah, we don't want to do that kind of shit. Um, and so they went to their weird fake Norma Jean shit. But yeah, this record I thought was awesome. I think if they dialed back the singing, made it just a little bit more like a little bit more like their unearth influence that was definitely there. I think they kind of popped off into like probably open to like been like support on like for unearth tours um, that were playing like a thousand plus cap rooms, like the knitting factory and shit. Yeah, I think that that's the thing that I think hurt them was that I think, especially during that time, you kind of only had like because a lot of the stuff felt. It kind of felt like 2000, like, we'll say late 2003 to 2006 was kind of the window for most of this stuff. So, and you got to think, if these bands are, like, putting out their first LP in 2003, they probably started in, like, 2001 or 2002. So if you're not, if you're kind of hitting that ceiling by, like, 2005, your band's probably spent at that point where it's like they're going to put out. And I mean, most bands weren't putting out multiple LPs either. Or at least I should say most bands weren't putting out multiple successful LPs. Yeah. The second one, I feel like usually is the one that. They either would hit or they would just like fucking just tank and they're gone. Like they weren't a band anymore. We even think like. Okay, so. Unearth and Killswitch are still active bands. Yes. They peaked. Wait, Unearth, Oncoming Storm was the peak for them. Yep. They've put out tons of records since then. Those were the big records. Uh, Oncoming Storm is their second LP. Yeah, it's like um, Killswitch. And I think for most people, that felt like the first LP. Yeah. Like the third, it's the third record by Killswitch. That's the end of Heartache. That's their third fucking record, and that's like to me like that's their peak. That's like almost like a perfect fucking like radio friendly metalcore record. Yeah, because even the one after like as daylight dies, like it's cool, I like it, but you could even tell like they were starting to like they had already hit as big as they were gonna get. 
Yeah, and th- they were smart and then just wrote the same record for 20 years. Yeah, and I feel like that's what I'm saying. Like, most bands from this era that crossed over had, like, they, it just, like, kind of, like, puttered out, you know? Yeah. So I feel like that's with them. I felt like this band did is they just kind of stopped kind of showing up as much as they were before. And then all of a sudden you just didn't hear anything. Cause I remember like when this record came, like the, when this record came out, I was super stoked. It seemed like I was seeing them all the time. And then by the end of this touring cycle, they were just like, you just, they were done. Like even put out that other record, but like, I feel like they barely even toured off of it. All right. Let me, let me pull up their uh, wiki. Formed in 1998. Holy shit. They broke up in 2007. Um, they had a lot of like a lot of hardcore metalcore bands. They had a lot of different members. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see, they have they have gained supporting spots for such bands as Hatebreed, Poisonwell, Open Hand, Hope's Fall, Finger Eleven, Oh, Candiria, Sworn Enemy, Code Seven, Dredge, Chiodos, Love Hate Hero. What a fucking really odd this list of bands. Yo, the the second Finger Eleven record kicks ass. It's straight up heavy. I've never listened to that. Have you heard? Have you have you heard them before? Yeah. So they got very radio rock friendly, but their second record is like raver pants, fishnet shirt, spiky hair, new metal. Some fucking like, zero ass shit. I'll send you some songs. Like it's fucking sick i remember i got charlie into it because he knew them as like radio rock yeah and i was like you love new metal like this is the shit i heard their old stuff on much music back in the day <laughs> yeah. let's see uh 2005 they live premiered video on headbangers ball they also released the second video running with scissors um 2007 recorded their last album outside are the vultures it was announced during recording that Eric, who I don't know who Eric is in the band, but Eric would be leaving the band. Fucking Eric. Early after Sean Keith announced he was leaving the band to work at a record label in, in Hollywood, drummer and guitarist both um, came in as replacements. They had to change their name in 2007 to The Calico System because of a company that had the same name. Um, so it seems like 2007 just fucked <laughs> Yeah, let's see. They did a reunion in 2009. My boy Chris that does all of our merch and shit, like Youth Energy, he's from, he used to live in St. Louis for a while, and he definitely likes Calico System. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, here we go. Last known lineup, okay. Josh Travis from Emure. Oh, it's a dude that does, like, Glass Cloud, too. Yeah, he played guitar. That's funny. <laughs> um, they've had a lot of former members. Let me pull up, see if there's any tour flyers. Let's see. Yeah, because I, I said, I remember seeing this band a lot. They toured with Scarlet. Oh, here's a deep cut. The Esoteric. Oh, that is a deep. That is a deep cut. Um, I I like that one record, kind the of metal good one or the prosthetic records. Yeah, yeah. I think it was on prosthetic, and it was like 
remember thinking like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then it like I listened to it recently. I'm like, oh, this is not cool. Scars of Tomorrow, Calico System, Inked and Blood, Drop Dead Gorgeous. What a tour. Let's see what else we got. Uh Remembering Never, Calico System on Broken Wings, From a Second Story Window, Shattered Realm. That's a hard show, to be honest. Yeah, that was at the venue. Calico Systems in Chiodos. That's like with Love, Hate, Hero. Mikoto, that's the band that was with Ray Harkins after Taken. Yep. If I was at that show, um, I want to say they played with like Reflux or some shit too. I was there. I saw them like a lot. Um, cause they always just fucking brought the mosh. Like I couldn't not go, even if like they weren't like the best band. They, like I don't know they riffed. They had mosh parts, everything. Um, and uh, this is like one of the few bands like on here. Like I could hear like some of the other ones. It's like I understand like why they're better. Like we listen to that fucking like some. Oh, of here the- we here we go. Sorry, Lambgo Calico System Archives. Oh, there we go. That's a- Calico System. Stick to your gun store. Calico System, Lygia, Nights Like These tour. Nights Like These sucked. Um, they sucked. Face Today, Calico System. Kitty, The Warriors, Calico System. Hell yeah. I bet that I bet that went to the... Yep. The Big I Easy. Like, I say, yeah, I was at the Knitting Factory of the Big Easy. Um, Across Five Aprils, Calico System. Hell yeah, now we're talking. Let's see if that, that was a Midwest thing. Um, Calico System and The Silence. Calico System, Glass Eater. That's sick. That's Off a fun band. Um, Remembering Never, Calico System, On Broken Wings. This one was at the venue. I think you were talking about that one a second ago. Yeah. Um, ooh, remember Calico System, Arms Been Back, Albert React Tour? Arms Been Back, that was a band. Ooh, Calico System, Burning Season. They just fucking toured with everybody. I feel like this Lygia Nights like these tour came here. That was East Coast. The Warriors Reflux Calico System. That was the one that I I remember seeing as well. That's a good-ass tour. I feel like just like from like, this is probably why they, like by 2007, they were done. They tore their ass off. Yeah. They just fucking were touring so much. But they're like, they just had to fucking call it quits because I think they probably just were... Well, here, here's a fucking tour. Haste the day, Calico System, heavy, heavy, low, low, flee the scene. That's a weird tour. Flee the scene fucking sucked. Do you remember them? Yeah. I was definitely at that Scarlet Esoteric one. I feel like I was at like most of these. Yep, I was at the, like, uh, I, fucking, I was even at this stupid show. This was at the venue, but they were doing, like, what's called, like, Venue House. So that was, like, a whole production. And it was across five April on the burning season. Anything back then, if you could mosh to it, I was fucking there. I would have definitely... Even now, I regret skipping that sh- the Bloodline Flagraphy calico system show i should have just went it would have been sick would have been much support the local diy show support your local hate breed worship band 
I don't even, I'm not even fucking friends with any of those dudes anymore, so that really... F- <laughs> I could have been, I could have been moshing with DJ, you know, that would have been... Exactly, you could have been moshing with DJ. <laughs> Crowd killing 17-year-old girls, you know, that could have been sick. Yeah, maybe you would have ended up like him where you were a mosh bro and then he turned to a country bro. That's always funny. Right. I think Calico System would be a band. We'll 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 tally it up. They could be a band that if they played Furnace Fest, I think they'd actually have a pretty good reaction. I think so too. Um, even from people who may not know them, like who are there to like get their yearly dose of mosh because they are don't like any other music like that's like heavy anymore. They just like 2006 music. Um, they bring that kind of style of mosh. That's the thing that I think that. Because they toured so much, I think that even if you are okay, so if you are someone that is excited to go to Furnace Fest, that can be a wide range of people. But I think if you're around during that era, I think that even if you didn't love this band, you definitely know who they are. Like we saw them once because yeah, yeah, like now, like kind of just looking over everything and in 2007, like the people were leaving because they were probably getting real jobs. They, they were turning 21. They were. Yeah, they're probably. Like, well, let's just say, like, as you said, they formed like in 98 or whatever. They're probably like 16 at that time. You know, like, started their first band. Like, their first thing comes out. They're a little bit older. And now they're in their like early to mid 20s. And like, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> well, it's why, like, I think on the wiki said they're like, they went to pursue careers, but it's also like, they're getting mid to late twenties. I'm sure their tours. They're probably not. I bet they weren't losing money. They but I bet bringing home too much. I bet, I bet they're breaking even. Yeah. Or even like looking at some of the venues they're playing. They might be coming home with a little bit of money, but not enough to like be necessarily self-sustaining in a sense. You know. Mm-hmm. Even like bands that were doing decent like that you would think um like at certain times i remember um the band no bragging rights remember that band i do uh all nice guys but they were looking for a bass player at one point and they knew their merch dude and like that he hit up murph about doing it and it's like like it's kind of talking to him about like what it would be like because um, all that kind of stuff, and it's like they don't really make that much money. They, they make enough to do it, and they survive. But it's like they live at like home, or they live with like friends and stuff like that. They're not because like they have to tour so much just to kind of like sustain like living. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's and that's just it. Where it's like still in your twenties, like in your early twenties, like that seems okay, and like you can do it. Like, by the time, I guess, like, when you're 25, 26, 27, when you get into that, it's, like, you either have to be able to, like, at least sustain a bit, or it's, like, just, it's feasibly just gets really tough. Well, that's why, like, with our band, I'm always, like, every tour we've broken even, except for when we flew to Tulsa, but we knew that we were going to, like, lose money on that anyway. Yeah. But I just look at it as, this is vacation with my boys, and I'm getting to play music. Mm -hmm. So... I'm having fun, but I'm not, this is, I'm not looking at this as a way to like make money or even 
it, it breaking even or even coming back with money is the bonus, but I'm I'm looking at it as to expect a loss. Yeah. You know? And I think that once you hit a certain point in your life, that's kind of how you should look at music. Mm-hmm. And I think that with a lot of these bands where it's like, oh, if you were grinding a bunch when you didn't have responsibilities and everything, like, at least like listening, I've never been in that position, but listening to enough different podcasts with people like from bands and stuff, it seems like the general consensus was after you get a certain point of doing this when you're all younger, you you kind of think, okay, well, now I need to get a job. Like, I'm, I've done this. I'm tired of like not having money. To yeah. where I'm ready to not be constantly on the road and I'm ready to have money. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. To where I think that kind of like let we'll end it on this, the whole new wave of American heavy metal crap. That, you know, that whole marketing thing. Oh my god, shadows fall. Only out of all those bands, only the main We'll say the main five. Lamb of God, mm-hmm. Shadows Fall, Kill Switch, Unearth. Well, that remains. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I know there's another one. Realistically, only two of those bands fully broke through to me, and that's all that remains in Lamb of God. And they broke through the, like, like almost like mainstream, like, metal. And then, like, all that remains, like, broke through to, like, mainstream rock. Yeah, and it's even those things, though, where it's, like, they had to pivot their sound enough to be much more accessible. Mm-hmm. Like, Lamb of God put out the song with the record with the clean singing and stuff. All that remains. I Came honestly think that if Phil wasn't the psychopath that he is, they wouldn't be as popular. But all these, like, gun nut libertarian dudes it's like they, they went into like the the flyover state fest like the red state rock fest yeah. like you know monster energy presents like rock at the fucking rock at the fucking like fairgrounds or whatever and like that's where they hit they play with like all like the fucking like, salivas of the world and shit like that exactly to where i think that what you're saying earlier like kill switch unearth all those other bands, they kind of found their lane where it's like, this can be self-sustaining. We don't need to have normal jobs. And they, I mean, they probably have like side gig stuff, you know, that they got through just like touring and like meeting people. Yeah. But when you think of the amount of bands from that era that like could have potentially been a, like made it and you look at, like, oh, well, these five bands or this handful of bands are the bands that actually like cracked the code mm-hmm. even it, it took like a band like every time i die that was grinding since like the early 2000s they put their first shit out in the 90s it took them grinding up until probably like 2012 for them to like really be like oh like this is like real career shit like 10 plus years do that to like where like you could tell that they were actually like sustaining a profitable thing well Other even then, like they're still driving around in a fucking van yeah they're still, and I, I fully attribute them being able to conduct their band the way that they did because they came from hardcore mm-hmm. and they had a very DIY 
grind mentality, grind, you know, grind like, set mentality. It's like them and were, like Norma Jean were like a couple of the bands that like they hit a certain level and it was not anywhere near like the kill switch level, but they were able to then sustain the band for 20 plus years. Like Norma Jean's still a fucking band somehow. Um, every time I die, broke up last year. And so I would, bet, all these I, would bet, I would bet that Norma Jean turnouts probably aren't that great anymore. But I think every time I die up until that point, I feel like they could play almost anywhere and have like a good turnout. Or they were they, still they, growing. Like they were still getting yeah. like more sellouts, which is why. Well, the thing that was smart about them was they were pulling in every tour. Because you, you could tell, like Andy Williams, I I I could be wrong. But I feel like he was. I feel like he was kind of the brains behind a lot of that. But um, bringing out current bands that young people liked, because the old heads are going to go see every time I die. And then the old heads are put onto these newer bands. Whereas I feel like. Killswitch isn't doing that. Oh. All that like all these other bands weren't doing they, that. They did for that one year where they played this as hardcore. They're like, hey, we like Code Orange. And then like they're like, oh, never mind, we're back on these fucking big fests now. Leave us alone. Cause like I'm trying to think of like Drug Church is short of every time I die before. Turnstile, Angel Dust, Vane, Super Heaven. Like, like before like Trapped in Rise out big, like Yeah, like, Knock Loose. Like, they were also never opposed to going on the big tours. Like, they were a support band, even though they had been a band for 10 years more than these other bands. I saw them um, with Motionless and White. Yeah. They, like, they would go do those tours too. It's the same thing with Terror. We're like, that's why they've talked about it in interviews, how they've been able to self sustain for so long. Cause it's like, we know our lane, we know that we can headline a tour. We know that it'll do this well, and you can project it because they've been a band for so long. Mm-hmm. And then they also know, like, I remember when they did that tour, they did a full yes a few years ago with um, with Knock Loose. They were support, and everybody was like, why are they support? Like, I remember that shit. And they're like, well, they're a way bigger band, that's why. And, like, most of these kids that are going to see Knock Loose have probably never seen Terror before, so it's a smart thing for us to tour with them. Like, we can... Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy like how much like of a business this really is, especially like when you get a little older and realize like oh like these all these bands that are on like any type of tour or, or like doing real stuff are like all probably like like listed as LLCs as well, and like there's like so much weird shit going on in the background that like probably don't think about like when you're a kid just wanting to mosh and like when you're in your early twenties just trying to be like I want to be in a touring band, and then they hit a certain level and like fuck I gotta get a job. And then the, the, amount of bands, the amount of bands that have LLCs now that I think most people probably don't realize is like bands where like you would think I bet if you ask the average person they like Shogo or they wouldn't think that they're an LLC, but it's like I have to be. Well, especially now with um we'll 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 end off on this because I gotta go. The amount of venues that are owned by like Live Nation and shit mm-hmm. that are paying you. Like giving you a um I forget what it is. We got paid on one show on those one step closer shows that way. And it was weird. <laughs> I just remembered we didn't get paid for one of those shows actually. Damn dude, better hit him up. It was 
that movement show because we our tour hopped on that show. Uh huh. And I remember hitting up Ryan from one step closer about it. And like the way they were getting paid was really weird. It was taking them way longer to get paid. Yeah. And then I kinda think I just forgot and it got to the point where I was like It's been so long. I don't even want to like ask at this point, you know, it just feels weird. At this point, who fucking cares? Yeah, like we we played in front of a ton of people. The show rocks. Yeah. That's kind of all I care about. But all right, well, I do have to go now. My dad's coming over to uh, help me with moving some stuff. That is the show. I never close these out because uh, Oster always does that, but uh, he had some shit. And so, yeah, that was uh, some C and D tier metalcore. We'll be fucking back to talk about more because so much more of this shit. We're going to talk about Capital Tragedy. About the MySpace grind. Oh, much dumb shit. Yeah, this is getting the pit.